back at it again with another shift. What's going on, family? This is your boy. This is the Young Adult Pastor for a Shift College Young Adult Ministry, better known as Baca. What's going on, family? How y'all doing? How y'all feeling? You look lovely. You look great on this amazing July 28th. Hey, guys, I just want to say welcome to Shift. Welcome to Shift on behalf of our entire team. Welcome to Shift. Welcome uh, from wherever you're tuning in from, whether it be California, New York, Texas. I know we have some that's coming in from uh, Phoenix, just all over the United States. There are also some worldwide. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, literally. You could have been anywhere doing anything, but you are here with us. And we just want to say welcome. Welcome to another amazing night with Shift. And... Um, and I hope you guys are ready, man. I hope y'all are expecting. I hope you guys are, are excited. I know I'm excited. Um, I, my my voice may not sound as normally excited as it normally is. Uh, I've been working out. So, um, you know, the workouts are, oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah, man, I'm trying to uh, trying to get my life right, man. I got to, you know, I got to do some things. So we, we got some things we just want to be prepared for it. So, so yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pray this thing in, and we're going to go ahead and get started. Are y'all ready? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, before I get too too far into it, I want to shout out my squad. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So say hello to your neighbor in the chat right now. Say hello, neighbor. What's happening? And that's H-A-N-N-I-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-
Uh, all of that. So I just, I just, hey, if you missed any part of this series, any part, do yourself a favor, rewatch every message, rewatch the entire series from the prelude to part one all the way through part seven, which is tonight, and just and let let God speak freely and allow Him to speak and to minister to you exactly where you are because i guarantee like i'm actually going to redo it myself because uh i was getting so many nuggets and so many things you can ask ayana that <laughs> I, I sometimes i write i might write a couple things for notes and everything else is just all god and i'll be like dang i ain't even i never i never knew that cuss and god be like because i got you so uh <laughs> make sure to go back and rewatch. Uh, replay and also if you did not know we do have a podcast and on this podcast we also upload all of our messages on there as well so ever since we've been on coronacation you can go back and you can replay every single message on our podcast and that's wherever you listen to podcasts just look for shift young adult um, ministry and you will see the you know our black circle our orange you'll you'll see it you'll know when you see it you see shift college and young adult ministry and the church said uh, amen all right, guys. So we started this series with this statement, um, and this statement was really profound, and it was it was just it was just God. So the statement is, "Your life is God's window of opportunity, but what opportunity does God have to express Himself through if your window is always closed?" I'm going to repeat that because this might be your first time hearing that. Your life is God's window of opportunity. But what opportunity does God have to express himself through if your window is always closed? Mm, just let that thing sink in. Let it sink in. Let it marinate. Let it marinate. Um, throughout this series, it, it really has been my hope that that I have articulated and communicated clearly um, just, just how much God wants us to to move away from what everybody has said about us, what everybody has has convinced us about, and and pretty much what we've ultimately become just throughout our lives, and for us to get back to a place where we can actually just be everybody, everything that God has called us to be. Um, so that's the whole point of the series, as far as unbecome, that we're unbecoming everything that we aren't, so that we can fully grasp and become everything that God has called us to be. Um, it's 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 man this it's like i was going through and i was um kind of reviewing some of the 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 notes from the different from each part of the series and i was like to to be honest with you i was really blown away like ain't no way i'm about to sit there and because i to be honest i tried to i was like you know i'm gonna I'm recap it i'm gonna make sure everybody's caught up to speed this is the finale we've covered a lot <sighs> i can't I can't, uh -uh. <laughs> I can't, it's too much, but I will say this, um, because, you know, if you are like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm listening, but I might, I might get pulled away because I'm at home, the kids are calling, I got a meeting coming up, whatever, so I want to, I want to give you this, um, this is something that we went over early in the series, um, and it was the steps to unbecome, or how to unbecome, and I'm just gonna repeat, gonna say it really quick. Again, this is just more for a recap. Um, and the steps to over, to unbecome, and I gave five steps. And the steps are number one: we must realize that we cannot be like Jesus without Jesus. 
simply put. How, how can you be like God without God? So this, that's number one, because the world does try to convince you that, hey, you got it. It's you. You got the power. And we ultimately try to adopt um, a, a, a set list or adopt the, a strategy and a formula that doesn't even include God. And that's not what this life is about. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Number two, uh, we have to examine what we are consuming. What you consume is changing the way you think. You can't expect to hear God's voice if you're only consuming everything outside of his voice. So you can't, you can't, how can you expect to hear God fully? Like, just be honest. How can you expect to hear him if you're only consuming everything that's not him? You can't because you, you can't even tell the difference. You don't even know who you're listening to. So we have to examine what we're consuming and consuming meaning what we're allowing to come in through our eye gate, our ear gate, what we're allowing to come into our spirits. We have to examine that because at the end of the day, it does affect and change the way we think. So if you find yourself thinking negative, negatively all the time, examine that. Look up and be like, you know what? I sure had been consuming everything negative. Like you ultimately are what you eat or you are what you consume. So if you're sitting there consuming everything that's not God, there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no other explanation as to why you are so far from being like God. All right, so number three. As far as how to unbecome, number three is don't forget who you are. You are, we are, new creations in Christ. We are new, and our new is a new default. So we can't continue to operate on the old operating system thinking that we will be new. Simply put, that is what it is. How can you expect to be new if you keep on, if you keep on living with the same way of thinking? You keep moving and keep uh, operating with the same operating system. The way that you were before, you you accepted who Jesus is. So you can't expect to be different because God already made us new. You can't expect to be different if you're still living the same way, plainly put. All right, number four. This is most important as far as how to unbecome. Number four, we must renew our mind. That's it. <laughs> That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Well, actually Romans 12 and 2. But we must renew our mind. 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 <laughs> so I went through a whole explanation of what that even looks like as far as the fact that we are a spirit being, we possess a soul, we live in a body, and the fact that our, our flesh and, our, and our, um, our spirit, they're literally at war, and our soul is like, well, whoever, whoever is the alpha, that's who I'm going to rock with. So we have to renew our mind, and ultimately what that's doing is we're getting our mind to be in line with our spirit or our new way of being. So, because ultimately, again, we are a spirit. So, and then step number five, to unbecome, repeat. Repeat. Um, the Bible does not talk about saying that you you need to renew your mind. It says renew, meaning it's an ongoing process, meaning that you're always evolving, you're always growing, you're always learning. So you have to continue with the process. Continue renewing, continue renewing. So that's why I say repeat, repeat. Don't think that you arrive. That's really one of the biggest things. Don't ever think that you arrive because the moment that you think you've got God figured out, you lost. You can't. Can't. Can't, 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 can't. <laughs> all right. So uh, next up, and I'm giving like a sort of kind of recap because I want to make sure we're all on the same page as we get into tonight. So, <clears throat> 
another thing that we did discuss and that we talked about is how our identity is found in Christ. So y'all remember when Jesus was asking, he asked the disciples, he was like, hey, who do men say that I am? Y'all remember that, right? No, remember? Well, you need to get in your Bible. Anyway, <laughs> so when Jesus asked, he said, well, who does, who does men say that I am? And they responded, well, some say that you are so so forth, you are so forth, and, and this and that, and so forth, right? And then after, Jesus asked, okay, well, now that we've already discussed who men say that I am, who do you say that I am? And then Simon, which was one of his disciples, he responded, he just blurted out, he was like, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. So Jesus responded, was like, man, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, you got that Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. You got that directly from my father. So that was a direct download. And from there, that's when um, that's when Jesus actually named and called Peter. I mean, called Simon Peter. He gave him that name and he gave him his identity that he is a small rock. So what we talked about, even in, um, you know, along this journey of unbecome, we talked about how our identity is found in Christ. Our identity is found in Christ. And if it's not, if it's, if your identity, if you're finding your identity outside of Christ, that's not who you are. That's it. <laughs> that's just it. So if we don't allow Christ to define our identity, we will look to others or allow what we do to define us. Our identity is found in Jesus. Ain't nothing deep about it. Our identity is found in Jesus. That's just it. So, this series has been an absolute journey. <laughs> Lord, it's been a journey. And um, tonight, we're closing it, man. We're closing this thing out. So, tonight, again, is part seven. Um, the title of tonight, or the as far as part seven, with the, what we're focusing on, the title is Worthy. Worthy. Worthy, James Worthy. <laughs> so tonight is simple. It's really simple. Um, God just wants me to remind you that you're worthy. You're worth unbecoming. You're worth finding out who you really are. Like it's worth it to you. It's worth it to you to find out who you really are. Not to to allow yourself to just settle and and to to live up to what the standard that everybody else has placed on you or the the idea that everyone has said, hey, this is who you are. No, God is like, hey, you're worthy, and I want you to know you're worthy. So I want you to repeat this after me. Say, I am worthy. I am worthy. Say, I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy. And then say, I am valuable. 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 All right, cool. <laughs> So you might be asking, okay, so how do I unbecome worthy? Um, well, I, I really am glad that you asked. Uh, it's easy. To unbecome, and again, because unbecome is our series, to unbecome worthy, and ultimately what I'm saying is to become worthy from God's point of view, not based on, not your worth being based on what the world says or what everybody else says. So to unbecome worthy, we have to first forget the lies that your worth is found in what you do. We have to forget the lie that your worth is found in what you do. We also have to reject the idea that your worth is defined by someone's validation or their approval. And then thirdly, 
We have to reject the thought that you're only worth what you have to offer. Now, the reason why I'm starting like this is because, to be honest, we we have been so conditioned that our worth and our value only comes from, ultimately, it comes from other people. It comes from what people define or, or what they claim or what they, they confirm is our worth. And that's not really it. Um, ultimately, what, especially with tonight, what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to see is that when we remove all of the everything else, all the extraness, and we get down to the basic, we'll realize that our worth was already established. Has nothing to do with anybody else. It was already established, and God has already placed our worth on the inside of each and every one of us. It's just for us to actually begin to walk in it. It's for us to actually begin to accept it. It's for us to actually begin to acknowledge and agree with God on on the fact that we're worthy. Because a lot of us, just being honest, we don't feel worthy. <laughs> we don't feel worthy, like whatsoever. And it's 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 sad, but we don't. Because okay, so for myself, I used to believe that my worth came from what I did and from what I had to offer. But the more I got to know Jesus, he showed me that my worth was already established and that I didn't need someone or the world to give me my worth, that my worth came from him, that it, that I was actually worth dying for. Now, and I, I'm saying this because, to be honest, like I can hear some of you, I hear some of the thoughts that are trying to pop up. And you're like, I mean, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, of course, of course, like he died for us. Okay, what else? <laughs> And it's so funny that we have this kind of attitude because, to be honest, and knowing that we're worth dying for, that should actually settle it. It should settle it. But for most of us, it doesn't because we still battle with the idea of us being worthy. Because the fact that God can say, you're worth dying for, he's saying it to you right now, you're worth dying for. That's how worthy you are. You're worth dying for. That's how valuable you are. That I literally died for you. And for some reason, we've religiousized that to the point where we say, that's cool. What else? Like, I get it. I get it. I get that you, okay, okay, yes, I'm worth dying for. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. But what else? I still got problems. I still got such and such. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And you want to know why <laughs> you want to know why that doesn't settle it for most of us? Because most of us just got issues. Matter of fact, I'm not even gonna say most of us. We got issues. We got issues. Our issues got issues. So what more do you want? Let's let let's let's just have an honest family moment really quick. Like, what more do you want? Like, how can God show you that you're worthy? What, you want to be showered with money? I mean, that'd be nice. You want blessings on blessings on blessings? You want your blessings blessed? That'd be nice. I get it. I get it. You want that person that did you wrong for them to 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 finally get what's coming to them? I got you. You want to finally uh, stop getting L's on the sneaker apps so you can you can get the J's that you've been trying to get? <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I get it. But none of that. None of that defines or demonstrates your worthiness none of it none of it and we have to settle that because 
to be honest, again, like that really should settle it that we're worth dying for. That should be enough. But for some of us, it just isn't. So until we understand that we're worthy, simply because God says so, until we understand that, there's nothing that God can do to prove it. And the reason why I know this is because at the end of the day, it will go from one item to the next item to the next item to the next reality and the next reality, and they'll just keep on compiling on top of each other. And it, it almost seems like God is having to prove his, his love to us when he doesn't even have to prove it. Like the fact that God is his word, and when he said it, that means that it's already been sealed. That means that he already confirmed it. That means that he already uh, he already acknowledged. That means he already committed to. That means he already established. That means it's already done. So when he said, you're worthy, he didn't just say it like, like your um, like your boyfriend is sitting there trying to get you a Valentine's present. Talking about saying, "Yeah, baby, you worthy. You worthy. You feel me? You worthy." That ain't God. That was your boyfriend, and that was the third grade. You need to let that go. <laughs> that wasn't even no real boyfriend. He still had to get rides. Ask his mama for money, but uh, so I'm gonna give you some milk anyway. <laughs> so I want everybody to say this: I'm worthy. Because God says so. I'm worthy because God says so. I want you to write that down somewhere too. Like write it down that I'm worthy because God says so. It's not based on anybody, anything else. It's not based on on, on God proving it. It's not based on any uh, glitter coming down in the sky. It's not based on manna coming down from heaven. It's not based on a burning bush. It's based on the fact that God said that you're worthy. God said that you're worthy. So, I want us to, we're going to look at uh, two quick examples, and uh, I want you to turn to, go to Genesis 39, Genesis 39, we're going to read about Joseph a little, just a little touch, just a little bit, just a little bit, Genesis 39, I'm actually going to read Starting from verse one. All right. I'm going to read it from the message translation so I can just kind of read straight through. All right. Genesis 39, verse one. After Joseph had been taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, Potiphar, an Egyptian, one of Pharaoh's officials and a manager of his household, bought him from them. So if you didn't know, Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers because they were jealous, because they were hating on him, because he had a dream. He was going to be over them. And they were like, wait a minute. You ain't about to be over me. First of all, you my little brother. And I can tell the dad think you the favorite. Like, he sees you as the favorite. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like, I don't like the way your skin glistens. I don't like the way your hair curls. I, I don't like the fact that my hair nappy and you got waves. You just spinning, spinning. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. You don't get no pimples. Like, they didn't like Joseph. I don't. They just didn't like Joseph. So they sold him into slavery. So that's what we're picking up right here that Potiphar ended up purchasing Joseph. So in verse two, as it turned out, God was with Joseph. And I want you to remember that God was with Joseph. God, as, as it turned out, God was with Joseph and things went very well with him. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. His master recognized that God was with him. God was with him. He saw that God was working for good in everything he did. 
He became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aide. He put him in charge of all of his personal personal affairs, turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian, all because of Joseph. The blessing of God spread over everything he owned, at home and in the fields, and all Potiphar had to concern himself with was eating three meals a day. Joseph was strikingly handsome. He was a strikingly handsome man. As he went on, his master's wife became infatuated with Joseph, and one day she said, sleep with me. All right. Verse 8. He wouldn't do it. He said to his master's wife, look, with me here, my master doesn't give a second thought to anything that goes on here. He's put me in charge of everything he owns. He treats me as an equal. The only thing he hasn't turned over to me is you. You're his wife, after all. How could I violate his trust and sin against God? She pestered him day after day after day, but he stood his ground. He refused to go to bed with her. On one of these days, he came to the house to do his work, and none of the household servants happened to be there. She grabbed him by his cloak, saying, sleep with me. He left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she realized that he had le- <laughs> when she realized that he had left his coat in her hand and run outside, she called to her house servants, "Look, this Hebrew shows up, and before you know it, he's trying to seduce us. He tried to make love to me, but I yelled as loud as I could with all my yelling and screaming. He left his coat beside me um beside me here and ran outside. She kept his coat. She kept his coat right there until his master came home. She told him the same story. She said, the Hebrew slave, the one you brought to us, came after me and tried to use me for his plaything. When I yelled and screamed, he left his coat with me and ran outside. When his master heard his wife's story telling him, there are thi- these are things your slave did to me, he was furious. Joseph's master took him and threw him into, into the jail where the king's prisoners were locked up. But there in jail, but there in jail, God was still with Joseph. He reached out in kindness to him. He put him on he put him on good terms with the head jailer. The head jailer put Joseph in charge of all all the prisoners. He ended up managing the whole operation. The head jailer gave Joseph free reign, never even checked on him because God was with him. Whatever he did, God made sure it worked out for the best. Mm. God was with him. Now Y'all saw Joseph was fine. As some 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 would I ain't even gonna say some would some would say. <laughs> uh, let me let me let me reel that back in. I'm gonna say something. But Joseph was fine, and Potiphar's wife was looking at him like he can get it. He can get it any way he want. He can get it in the shower, both of their bodies dripping wet on the kitchen floor. She's trying to make a night that he won't forget. As he softly pulled her hair, he can get it anywhere. That's what she said. I ain't said y'all read that. She said, she said, sleep with me. Look, man, take me. Take me, Joseph. Take me with your with your, your fine, handsome self. Look at you. You just a little handsome thing. So she was a cougar. <laughs> she was a cougar. <laughs> Cause Joseph wasn't that old. You got, I mean, shoot. Well, no, he was a little boy. He was he was a youngster. He he was a tender thing. Stella was trying to get her groove back. I guess Potiphar was just busy because he was always gone. Joseph was always there, and she sure was watching him. Now, (laughs) 
I want you to notice how even though Joseph, number one, was a slave, he was bought. Potiphar purchased him, but God was with him. Joseph was literally in charge of all of Potiphar's affairs. He was like, he was not only the head slave, he was like, he was pretty much his assistant. <laughs> he was his go-to guy. But God was with him. Even in that state, God was still with him. And after she sat there and threw herself at him, first of all, the man told her straight up, I don't want you, woman. And your husband, trust me, with everything, I'm not trying to mess this up. I, I value the relationship I have with him, and I value God. That's the key for tonight. I value God. I know who God is to me. I know who I am to God. I'm not about to sin against him. You're, you're somebody's wife. Look, let's just, let's just keep it easy. Let's keep it cool, and we'll just keep moving. It's all good. And that was his response. That was his attitude towards her. But she wasn't having it. Nope. She sure wasn't. So, but it's crazy because as I was reading it, I was, I was, to be honest, I was seeing not only myself, I was seeing a lot of us now. And how will we respond? How will we respond? Would it be, uh, you know what? Well, shoot. I mean, she's throwing it at me. Hey, Miss Parker. Or would we recognize the value that, first of all, look what God has been doing for me. I was sold into slavery and I was purchased. But then even as a slave, I was put in charge of Potiphar's entire household, his whole estate. I'm literally his number one guy. Why would I want to mess that up for a few minutes with you? <laughs> now, I don't know if Potiphar's wife was ugly. I don't know. Let's just imagine that she wasn't or... Maybe she was. But either way, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to just say she wasn't ugly because the fact that Joseph's response was a very real response. He didn't say, look, ill, get away from me. He was like, hey, you're his wife. He did not give me to you. I will not violate this. And he kept it straight up. So he's that, for me, that lets me know that she was attractive. Now, the reason why that, that matters is because she was very persistent, but he also knew his value. He also knew how much God valued him. He also knew that God was with him. He also knew that he did not want to sin against God. He didn't want to violate the trust that Potiphar had with him. He didn't. And yet he valued, <laughs> he had so much value in his relationship with God. He had so much value in who God was to him that the woman grabbed his coat. And he ran out with his coat still in her hand. And she didn't even realize that he left. She saw him and was like, wait, you're gone, but I'm holding your coat. You know how fast you got to be to do that? Hey, Joseph a bad boy. You're a bad boy. That boy right there, boy, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. So, and ultimately we see that she ended up lying on him. And even through her lies, even though she lied, and Joseph got in, he was thrown in jail. He was still put in charge of the jail because God was with him. Now, a lot of us will look at that and say, oh, all of this is happening to me. 
all of this is going wrong. Ain't nothing going right. Look at this. Like my um, my boss is tripping. This is happening. That is happening. And we're we're so focused on the issue instead of recognizing that God is with us. And because God is with us, he literally causes all things to work together for our good. How can we lose? How can you lose when God is with you? How? Think about that. We have to change our perspective on how we see even this life that we're living in. So your worth is not defined even by the positions that you're in. What you do doesn't doesn't define or, or make you worthy. The fact that God is with you makes you worthy. The fact that God is with you makes you worthy. All right, so let's go to another um, another scripture. Now, we actually read this um, a couple uh, parts before, as far as <laughs> a couple weeks before, um, and it's with David and Goliath. But I wanted to, to point this out again specifically for tonight. Uh, so turn to... Turn to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. And we're going to go to verse 26. I'm trying to get there myself. So 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. And I'm going to read it from, I'm going to read it from the message translation. 1 Samuel. There we go. 26. There we go. I'm sorry, 17. <laughs> Still said the wrong chapter. So 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. All right, there we go. Now that's better. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so again, if you did not know um, what's happening here, this is the story of David and Goliath. Um, So literally, just to make sure that you're caught up, uh, David, he was actually chosen. He was chosen by the king, pretty much that you're you're going to be the next king. And, And God chose him, even though he was like, out tending the sheep and, you know, just go read it if you never read it. But where we are right now, um, Goliath was actually threatening pretty much um, the Israel army. And he was pretty much saying that, hey, I'm about to, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to kill y'all jokers. Uh, and he made a, um, I don't want to say a bet, but he, he made a, wa- a wager. So I guess it was a bet. Pretty much saying that whoever can kill me, you know, pretty much will be your sa- slaves, whoever can defeat me. So, but everybody was scared because it was Goliath. So um, let's go ahead and just pick up in verse 26. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, let's just go to 26. All right. So in verse 26, David, who was talking to the men standing around him, asked, what's in it for the man who kills this Philistine? and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's honor. Who does he think he is anyway? This uncircumcised Philistine, taunting the armies of God alive. Now, I wanted to read that that scripture specifically because there was something about David's confidence. There was something about David's stance that nobody else seemed to have. David knew that God was with him. David knew that... (laughs) He knew that he had a, a covenant. He knew that God was that he that God was on his side. And because he knew that, there was nothing that he was afraid of. And we'll see in just a second. Let's uh jump down to verse 32. So in verse 32 it reads, uh, Master said David, and he's talking to Saul, <clears throat> don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. 
Saul answered David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And he's been at this fighting business since before you were born. David said, I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it. I'd knock it down. I'd rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck, and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who is taunting the troops of God alive. God, who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear, will deliver me from this Philistine. Saul said, go, and God help you. Now, jump down one more time. Jump down to verse 43. So, pretty much what happened, you know, <laughs> Saul was like, all right, cool. Well, go ahead, and you can shoot your shot. Just don't brick. Because you might not be coming back. So uh, so Saul sent him out, and he also gave him some armor. He was like, look, you need this armor because you're you a young little boy. So you need this armor. You need, to, you need to make sure you're protected. But David also couldn't fight with it. He was like, look, that's not me. I trust God. God got me. I don't need all this armor. That's not the way I roll. I trust God. I believe God. So in verse 43, it says, the Philistine ridiculed David. Am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? And he cursed him by his gods. Come on, said the Philistine. I'll make roadkill of you for the buzzards. I'll turn you into a tasty morsel for the field mice. Now, I don't know. I don't know if some of y'all might be too young, but as I'm reading this, I'm seeing Goliath is shown enough. Now, I don't know if y'all seen The Last Dragon. If you didn't, you're missing out. But, uh... The way that I'm reading Goliath talking to, to David as far as, like, he's laughing at him. And I see it was in, in The Last Dragon. I see Shonuff coming out. And he's like, am I the prettiest Shonuff? Am I the baddest Shonuff? And he was going through and, and pretty much, you know, he's like, dude, I know who I am. Who this joker? Who this little boy? I'm showing up, and I'm seeing that that's the that's the same energy that David had. Like he laughed. I mean, I'm sorry that Goliath had. He laughed at David. Like this, <laughs> this is what I gotta fight. So, so yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so he said that he's gonna um, turn David into a tasty morsel for the field mice. He said, "I'm gonna make you roadkill. I'm literally gonna I'm gonna leave you for dead so the buzzers can come and eat you." That's serious. So David answered. He said, you come at me, and this is this is the key. This is, this is where we are. You come at me with sword and spear and battle axe. I come at you in the name of God, of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops, whom you curse and mock. This very day, God is handing you over to me. I'm about to kill you, cut, cut off your head. And serve up your body and the bodies of your Philistine buddies to the crows and coyotes. The whole earth will know that there is an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone gathered here will learn that God doesn't save by means of sword and spear. The battle belongs to God. He's handing you to us on a platter. Mm, bars. So, <laughs> I want you to see that David did not allow his size he didn't allow what he did to define his worth, to to um, 
He he didn't. That's not where his value came from. That's not where his worth came from. His worth came from him knowing, I am God's. God is with me. Like, I'm on God's side. Anybody that's not on God's side that's mocking God, you're not fighting against me. You're fighting God. He recognized that there's an entire, uh, <laughs> I don't even want to say uh, uh, army, but there's an entire force. There's an entire presence. There's a The creator of all creation is literally on my side, and you coming against him. I ain't got nothing to fear because David knew that God was with him. Again, say God is with me. Well, not again, because I ain't have y'all said that. Say that yet, but uh, say God is with me. <laughs> All right, so let's go to one more scripture. Um, actually, before we go there, uh, so one thing that I want you to see, um, especially from both of these, from Joseph and David, and there's so many more examples, but for the sake of time, I just wanted to touch on these two very lightly. Um, I want you to see how, just how, how how valuable they were to God. But not only were they valuable to God, your worth comes from you knowing who God is to you. Now don't miss that because sometimes we 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 pay attention to uh it's like we pay attention to what what God like we pay attention to God's hands. We're like Oh, well, what can I get from God? What can I, like, this is, I, my, the value is in his hands. Like, what can I get from him? Um, and we've talked about that many times. Uh, but the value comes in his face. And, and, and just, just stay with me. The value comes from his face because you're, it's, a, it's a knowing of who God is. That's where your value comes from. That's where your worth comes from. It comes from you knowing who God is. Who is God to you? Now, I said earlier that you're worthy because God said so. That you're worthy because you're worth dying for. And also said how some of us, like if we're just being honest, some of us don't feel like that's enough. Like that, that communicates enough of our worth. Because we're we're not looking at the the reality of what worthy actually is. But when you were created, God knew that you were worthy. He created you in worth. God created you in worth, so He knew that you were worthy. And He didn't second guess about that. He didn't. He didn't say, "I don't know. If, I don't know if they're worthy." But some of us are worthy, ignorant. We're walking around as though we're walking. It's like we're walking around as though we. <laughs> we're walking around as though we need permission to be worthy. Like, if you really think about it, like we kind of have this thing where it's like. Somebody has to confirm that we're worthy. But that's not the way this works. Now, I can't turn there again because of time because it's time to just be going and I, I got to get to this point. But if you think about the prodigal son, um, the prodigal son, the younger brother, he, you know, we talked about how he he went out, he pretty much spent all of his all of his inheritance. He pretty much wasted it all. 
And then the father came and was pretty much the prodigal son came to his senses or he came to the end of himself and he came back and was like, look, I'm going to just go back to my dad. I'm sitting there about to eat pig slop. And he came back to his father and his father pretty much accepted him with open arms. But his older brother was mad that, that he was accepted because he was like, dude, dad, I've been with you this entire time. I've never left your side. I didn't go and squander and spend all my money. I've literally been here. I've been serving with you, and you never threw a party for me. You never threw a party for me. You never, you never, um, you never killed a fatty calf for me. You, you never did any of this for me. But, but this boy, your son, he, he, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back home, and now you wanna like have a celebration for him? But you don't even celebrate me. And I've been rocking with you this whole time. How many of you know that the older son was putting his value in, in, in what he did? He was putting his value. He was saying, well, I'm worthy because I'm loyal. I'm worthy because I stuck by your side. I'm worthy because I'm obedient. I'm worthy because I follow all the rules. I'm worthy because I always get it right and I do my best to never disappoint. That's what makes me worthy. So his, he felt that his worth was in, in his... In his um, Really, in what he earned, whatever he earned, uh, defined his worthiness. But we just read that Joseph was a slave, but he was still worthy. David was just a shepherd boy. He was just a, his dad called him a runt. He said, oh, the, the runt back there. But God still saw him as worthy. God still stuck by their side. And we, we're sitting here living now and we, we don't even realize how worthy we really are. I actually believe that worthiness is a state of mind. That it's a way that you think. It's a way that you move. It's a way that you operate. That you're not asking for permission to be worthy. Now, the other part to the prodigal son, with him responding to his dad, pretty much trying to check his dad because he's like, dude, you don't, you owe me because I'm worth it. And his dad, his dad said, his dad said so beautifully, he said to him, you know where the closet is. If you want a robe, go get you a robe. If you want a party, go throw a party. Why are you waiting for permission to know that you're worthy? Like you're you're looking for me to confirm or to validate your worthiness or to make you make you feel like you you you've earned it. You can't earn your your worth when I've already said that you're worthy. And that is God speaking to each of us. Some of us are struggling with 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 knowing that we're valuable, knowing that we're worthy. But God is literally like, "Dude, you're worthy because I made you." <laughs> you're worthy because I made you. It's really that simple. I created you. So when I created you, I created you because you're worth creating. But then not only were you worth creating, but the fact that you, you, you were born into this sin, you were also worth dying for. The fact that you can live, you can breathe right now. <sighs> you're worth it. You, you mean to tell me that you're alive um, by accident? It's just a coincidence? Oh, that you just still here? You were born for such a time as this. 
And God knew exactly what he was doing because he knew that you were worth it. But the question is, do you know that you're worth it? Because a lot of us, like I said before, and I've said it a couple times already tonight, a lot of us feel like our worth comes from people validating us or our worth comes from what we do. Like we have this checklist that builds up our worthiness. Like we're, we, we have this idea that we have this worthy gas tank and we can fill up this tank. And, and, and as we fill this tank up, then that, that lets us know that we're worthy. Like, oh, I've deposited into my worth bank. I've deposited. Look, I've done this. I checked this stuff off. I blah, blah, blah. And we, I, I, guess, I guess we have it in our minds that we can, we can earn our worth. That might work in corporate America. That might work in, in the merit system, but God doesn't use a merit system. <laughs> God uses a love system. His love system was, was, was already taken care of with blood. His love system says that you're worth it. His love system says that you're worthy. So the 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 idea that you have to that you have to earn it and then even earn it from God, first of all, that's still you still going by the law. You still going by the law. You still think that you gotta earn what Jesus died to give you. If I sit there and give you a gift and I say, here, this is your gift, you mean to tell me that you want to work before you open it? Have, have, have y'all ever did that? On Christmas, you're like, all right, your parents wake, wake you up like, it's Christmas morning. You're like, yeah, Christmas morning. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's Christmas morning. I get to open my presents. And you run downstairs. You run to the tree. And your parents say, hold up. Before you open your presents, go cut the grass. After you cut the grass, go change my oil. After you change my oil, we got we need the gutters clean. We And, and this is all Christmas morning. We need the gutters clean. After you clean the gutters, somebody needs to, um, to go and... Um, Go cut the grass in the backyard and burn out all the leaves and, and cut out all the, the loose the loose uh, trees and, and rake up the yard. Like, do all this stuff. And it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's like your gift day. <laughs> Does that sound right? Does that, like, think about it. Does that make sense? That on Christmas Day, you got to, even though your presents are literally there, you got to go and work for it? No. But we have that idea. We've like convinced ourselves that that's the way God sees us, that we're working to be worthy. And God has already said you're worthy because I said so, because I died for you. I didn't change my mind about it. I didn't, I'm not second guessing. I've already said that you're worth it. But the question is, do you know that you're worth it? So if you question it, that lets me know that you don't even know that you're worth it. Because you're ignorant to your worth. So how do we become, how do we um, get or stop being ignorant to our worth? Easy. The way we become, we stop being ignorant to our worth is by knowing that God is with us. We stop being ignorant to our worth when we start knowing that God is with us. When we acknowledge that God is with us. When we acknowledge that he, he's, he, first of all, we've already seen that 
with Joseph. His whole life, God was with him. He was prosperous. He was, uh, everybody was blessed because Joseph was there because God was with Joseph. So if everybody is affected by you knowing that God is with you, why are we still trying to earn it? Why are we still trying to convince ourselves of what's really true? I just, I just believe that we're just not spending enough time with God. I mean, the whole reason why we we're struggling in our minds and, and, and struggling with the thought of, am I really worth it? Is because we're not spending enough time with God. We actually don't know who he is. Because if we really knew who he was, if we really knew his nature, then we would know that our, our complaints, our frustrations of, how come, when is it going to be my time? When is this going to happen? Oh, Lord, but this is going on. When is it going to be mine? Oh, oh, my goodness, you don't care about me. You don't care about Listen, if you want a party, throw a party. If you want a robe, you know where the closet is. Go get you a robe. If you want a ring, you know where the jewelry box is, son. Go get you a ring. But we can't even do that. Because we actually don't know who God is. And on top of that, we don't want to spend, we don't want to take the time to find out who he is. Because if we took the time to find out who he was, then we would value him. And that's the issue. Our worth is tied to our value that we have in God. When we value God, we also know how much God values us. When we don't value God, we have no idea that we're valued by him. Joseph was a slave and he knew that he was worthy. David was just a shepherd and he knew his worth that he can fight a giant. So turn with me to one more scripture and then we're, I'm closing with this. Go to John 14, 16. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I'm going to read it from, I'm going to read it from the, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. No, I'm going to read it from the King James, and then I'm going to read it from the Amplified. I'm taking a bad old school. <laughs> All right, so uh, John 14, 16, and... It's in red, so that means Jesus talking. So in verse 16, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now let's go to let's go to go to the Amplified Version. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. Shoot, while we at it, let's go to let's go to the message translation too. Now it's 15 through 17, because you know it's all grouped a certain way, but um, but verse 16 starts with, I will talk to the Father and He'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. And then finally, I'm gonna go to the passion, because I'm closing it. I'm closing the series. So in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go to verse 17 so you can see where it's closing off at. So the world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. So this is Jesus pretty much letting his disciples know, hey, hey guys, I'm about to be out. 
And they're like, no, no, don't leave. No, don't leave me. You can't leave me. No, don't leave me. He's like, hey, no, no, no. I got to go. So in me leaving, <laughs> I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He would be a comforter. But he's also going to live on the inside of you. So you know what that means? That means that God will be with you. Always. God, you're seeing the, the connection? Joseph didn't even have the Holy Spirit. Joseph didn't even have the Holy Spirit. He just knew that God was with him. But Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, we literally have God living on the inside of us. God lives here. So it's, it's, God, is not, God is not just with me. God is in me. So tell me, how can I lose? Tell me, how can I, how can I fail? Tell me, why do I need to be depressed? Why? God lives in me. Somebody need to type that God lives in me. If you, if you did not know, God lives in you. He's taking up residence in you. He is literally, he's literally created his mansion on the inside of you. He lives there. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like once you receive them, he's there. And he's like, I'm not leaving. Jesus said, I'm sending us a comforter. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. So he will never leave you. Matter of fact, he's going to live on the inside of you because you'll never be alone. Ever. Boy, that's, that's good, man. That's good. Like, because we saw the evidence of how, just even in one example, how Joseph, his, his, his life was, even though he was in slavery, even though he was a slave, even though he was in jail, even though he was lied on, he was wrongfully accused, God was with him. So no matter what situation or wherever he found himself in, he still won. He still won. There literally nothing could stop him. You're unstoppable when you know that God is with you. And we saw that with David. The David's like, look, if if a wolf, if a if a tiger, a, a lion, a tiger, a bear, oh my, if whatever tried to come and get my sheep. If they try, if they tried it, I got hands for them. But it's because God delivers them to me. He delivers them to me. I know, I, I, I know it, it don't make no sense that I can kill a bear with my bare hands. But I know that's because that's God. But the question is, do you know that God lives in you? Do you know that he's with you? Do you know that he'll never leave you? Or are you still contemplating and trying to figure out, is he here? So my real question is, do you know him? Because if you know, you know. Man, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but... I just know that I just know that there's there's something on the other side and 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 God is really like pushing us to to step over that line just to cross that threshold where where we're still in this place of 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 really believing like 
uh, should I believe? Like, should I? Like, we're still in this place of, I don't, I don't know. We're still at, at step one. And God is like, listen, there's still remaining for rest. There still remains a rest. There still remains a rest. Listen, man. Until we cross over this, this step one, because the, the whole point of unbecome is for us to just believe God. And until we step over this, this step one, we're, we're barely scratching the surface. We're barely scratching the surface because we're supposed to be speaking the mountains and casting them into the sea. We're not supposed to be worried about a corona. We're not, like just being honest. Now, I'm not saying we're, we're supposed to be stupid. I didn't say that. <laughs> Shoot, the, um, in the Old Testament, they quarantined. When the deaf angel passed over, they quarantined. They stayed in their house. They stayed in their house. They didn't say, oh, I know we got the blood on the bed, on the doorpost. So even though we got the blood on the doorpost, oh, shoot, I, I'm just, I'm just, hey, I'm just go ahead and walk outside because it ain't going to happen to me. Listen, that wasn't it. <laughs> they stayed inside. So anyway, my whole point is Rona doesn't affect you. Rona doesn't affect you. But still, you still use wisdom and knowing, all right, if God is saying do this, do this. God says, wear a mask, wear a mask. And some of us, God had to, because some of us are so dumb deep, God had to get through us, get through to us by saying, you can't even go into certain stores without a mask. Because y'all like, nah, I, just, I believe God, I don't need no mask. God's like, look, I know you don't need a mask because you don't need a mask. But the law of the land, you still got to obey the law of the land because you're still in this world. So I don't know where that came from. That was for somebody because that has nothing to do with what I was closing with. <laughs> But my point is this, man. Your value equals God is with you. That's where your value comes from, your worth. Your worth comes from knowing that God is with you. But if you don't know God, how can you know he's with you? You can't. So I don't know about y'all, but I ain't got time. It's 2020. Everything being revealed, stuff is just popping out left and right. Look, I don't got no time to keep on playing because I don't know what August is going to be. It might be an entanglement. <laughs> too, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> but I don't know what August is going to be. I don't know what September is going to be. I don't know what December is going to be. But one thing I do know is that because I have God, I'm worthy. So that's where it starts. So I pray that you got something out of tonight. I pray that tonight ministered to you. I pray that it blessed you. Um, and I pray that it challenged you to, to say, you know what? Let me cut the excuses because it's unnecessary. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the message tonight. I thank you, Lord God, for the freedom that was expressed. I thank you, Father God, for each and every person that was able to listen fully I thank you, Lord God, that, that the eyes of our understanding is enlightened and we get to see you as clear as day. I thank you and I praise you, Father, that, that it's, it's, tonight was unlike any other. It was unlike any other. 
And I just praise you, Father God, that the words that were spoken tonight will not return to you void, but it will accomplish that to which you have sent it to do. So I just thank you for it right now, Father. I thank you, Lord God, for freeing our minds and Lord God, for revealing to us that it's all about just knowing you. That's what it all boils down to. Our value comes from you. Our value comes from knowing you. If we don't know you, we ain't got no value because we just trying to know somebody else. And that's counterfeit. That ain't God. That's counter God. That ain't what it's about. It's all about knowing you for who you are so you can reveal to each and every one of us who we are through you. And if we don't know you, we don't know ourselves. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this awakening and this rethirst of each of us being able to look up on 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 Wednesday morning saying, you know what? I'm tired of the games. I just got to know God. It's that simple. So, Lord, I thank you for that right now. And I thank you, Father God, that we are the better for it. I thank you for the impact and that we will never, ever, 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 ever be the same and never go back to what we once were. That we have now decided to unbecome so we can fully become all that you've called us to be. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. And all that agree said, amen. Amen. Y'all, this has been an amazing message, an amazing series. I have thoroughly enjoyed you. Um, I appreciate you guys for for joining me um, each and every Tuesday throughout this series. Um, this was our our second series of the year. The first one was First Love. But y'all, God is God is doing some things, and don't miss it. Don't sleep. <laughs> don't sleep. So, um, I just I just thank you guys. So, uh, give it up for yourselves for those of you that's that's been here all seven seven weeks and also those of you who 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 just jumped in and you're like look i don't know what what i'll what i'll jump into but hey i'm here just give it up for yourselves so before i get out of here i know i I mentioned a lot and some of you really have been challenged in a way that you're like hey i've heard it before but i ain't here before like that and i needed to hear well ultimately what that means is you're ready to actually walk in and say hey I'm tired of playing games. I need to just know God. Now I'm not saying that you got you got to get resaved because that's not what it is. You can't get resaved. Let's just be honest. Um, the reason why you can't get resaved because once you get saved, once you believe it, once you receive it, God moves in. That's it. It ain't like he like oh the lease is up. You ain't really get saved. I guess I'll be back if you go and renew your lease. Like you got to renew your subscription to God. Like you ain't you ain't subscribing to God like that. <laughs> this ain't no membership. <laughs> Once you believe it, you believe it. Once you receive him, he's there. And he's he's not leaving you. So, but what I am saying is you might be saying, hey, I want to recommit. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, hey, am I mentally or or uh I guess figuratively, I wanna restart, I wanna hit the reset button. Hey, we can do that. My whole point is I want you to repeat this after me. Wherever you are, whatever category you fit in, I just want you to repeat this after me. Say, Father God. I thank you for loving me this much that you wanted me to see how worthy I was. I know that I am worth your love. I know that I am worth dying for. But I also know that you are worth receiving. So Lord, I receive you and I know that you died for me. I admit it. So I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. Holy Spirit, come live in me. Change me from the inside out. I don't want the same old life. 
I don't want the counterfeit life. I'm ready to unbecome so that I now can become all that you've called me to be. I receive you now and I thank you for saving me and I thank you for changing me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. That simple. That simple. So if that was your first time praying that, if you're like, hey, I think I just got saved. Oh, ain't no thing. You just got saved. So what I want you to do, I want you to text the word I'm saved to 51555. We have some, uh, our ministry, our, our church has put together some information, information to help you get started on this walk. Or if you're like, hey, I've already been on this walk, but to be honest, I just put my shoes on. I ain't really get out of the house. If you are like, hey, I still want to, I want to see where I can start. Go ahead and text that too. Send it in. And we'll get the information to your hands. Um, we love you guys. And, and we, y'all, this is, tonight was dope. It was dope. It was really dope. And it was necessary and needed. So I love you guys. Ayana loves you. And more than us, God loves you. So let's continue to walk this thing out. Um, and let's continue to shift. I'll see y'all next week. All right, y'all. Peace.